0: Homesick by Lynn Venable this is a librivox recording all Librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by Dale Grothman what thrill is there in going out among the stars if coming back means bitter loneliness homesick by Lynn Venable Frankston pushed listlessly at the red checker with his right forefinger. He knew the move would cost him a man, but he lacked enough interest in the game to plot out a safe move. His opponent, James, jumped the red disc with a black king and removed it from the board. Gregory, across the room, flicked rapidly through the pages of a magazine, too rapidly to be reading anything, or even looking at the pictures. Ross lay quietly on his bunk, staring out the viewport. The four were strangely alike in appearance, nearly the same age. The age where gray hairs finally outnumber black, or baldness takes over. The age when the expanding waistline has begun to sag tiredly. When robust middle age begins the slow, accelerating decline toward senility. A strange group to find aboard a spaceship. But then the Columbus was a very strange ship. Bolted to its outer hull, just under the viewports, were wooden boxes full of red geraniums, and the ivy wound tenuous green fronds over the gleaming hull that had withstood the bombardment of pinpoint meteors and turned away the deadly power of naked cosmic rays. Frankston glanced at his wrist chrono. It was one minute to six. In about a minute, he thought. Ross will say something about going out to water his geraniums the wrist chrono ticked fifty-nine times I Think I'll go out and water my geraniums said Ross No one glanced up Then Gregory threw his magazine on the floor Ross got up and walked limping slightly to the wall locker He pulled out the heavy ungainly spacesuit and the big metal bulb of a headpiece he carried them to his bunk and laid them carefully down will somebody please help me on with my suit he asked for one more long moment no one moved then james got up and began to help ross fit his legs into the suit ross had arthritis not badly but enough so he needed a little help climbing into a spacesuit. james pulled the heavy folds of the suit up around ross's body and held it while ross extended his arms into the sleeve sections his hands, in the heavy gauntlets, were too unwieldy to do the front fastenings, and he stood silently while James did it for him. Ross lifted the helmet, staring at it as a cripple might regard a wheelchair, which he loathed but was wholly dependent upon. Then he fitted the helmet over his head, and James fastened it down, lifting the oxygen tank to his back. "'Ready?' asked James. The bulbous headpiece inclined a nod. James walked to a panel and threw a switch marked inner lock. A round aperture slid silently open. Ross stepped through it, and the door shut behind him, as James threw the switch back to its original position. Opposite the switch marked outer lock, a signal glowed red, and James threw another switch. A moment later the signal flickered out. Frankston, with a violent gesture, swept to checkerboard clean. Red and black men clattered to the floor, rolling and spinning. Nobody picked them up. "'What does he do it for?' demanded Frankston, in a tight voice. "'What does he get out of those stinking geraniums he can't touch or smell?' "'Shut up,' said Gregory. James looked up sharply. Curtness was unusual for Gregory—a bad sign. Frankston was the one he'd been watching—the one who'd shown signs of cracking. BUT AFTER SO LONG, EVEN A PSYCHO EXPERT'S OPINION MIGHT BE HAYWIRE. WHO WAS A YARDSTICK? WHO WAS NORMAL? GERANIUMS DON'T SMELL LIKE MUCH, ADDED GREGORY, IN A MORE CONCILIATORY TONE. YEAH, AGREED FRANKSTON. I'D FORGOTTEN THAT. BUT WHY DOES HE TORTURE HIMSELF LIKE THIS? AND US TOO? BECAUSE THAT'S WHAT HE WANTED TO DO, ANSWERED JAMES. SURE, AGREED GREGORY. THE WHOLE TRIP the last twenty years of it anyhow all he could talk about was how when he got back to earth he was going to buy a little place in the country and raise flowers well we're back muttered frankston with a terrible bitterness he's raising flowers but not in any little place in the country gregory continued almost dreamily remember the last night out we were all gathered around the viewscreen and there was earth getting bigger and greener and closer all the time. Remember what it felt like to be going back after thirty years? Thirty years cooped up in this ship, grumbled Frankston. All our twenties and thirties and forties. But we were coming home. There was a rapt expression on Gregory's lined and weathered face. We were looking forward to the twenty, maybe thirty good years we had left, talking about what we'd do, where we'd live wondering what had changed on earth at least we had that last night out all the data was stashed away in the microfiles all the data about planets with air we couldn't breathe and food we couldn't eat we were going home home to big friendly green earth frankston's face suddenly crumbled as though he were about to weep and he cradled his head against his arms god do we have to go over it all again not again tonight leave him alone ordered james with an inflection of command in his voice go to the other section of the ship if you don't want to listen he has to keep going over it just like ross has to keep watering his geraniums frankston remained motionless and gregory looked gratefully at james james was the steady one it was easier for him because he understood gregory's face became more and more animated as he lost himself living again his recollections the day we blasted in the crowds thousands of people all there to see us come in we were proud of course we thought we were the first to land just like we'd been the first to go out those cheers coming from thousands of people at once for us ross lieutenant ross was the first one out of the lock we decided on that He'd been in command for almost ten years, ever since Commander Stevens died. You remember Stevens, don't you? He took over when we lost Captain Willers. Well, anyway, Ross out first. And then you, James. And you, Frankston. And then Trippett. And me last. Because you were all specialists and I was a crewman. The crewman, I should say. The only one left. Ross hesitated and almost stumbled when he stepped out and tears began to pour out of his eyes but i thought well you know coming home after thirty years and all that but when i stepped out of the lock my eyes stung like fire and a thousand needles seemed to be jabbing at my skin and then the president himself stepped forward with flowers that's where the real trouble began with the flowers i remember ross stretching out his arms to take the bouquet like a mother reaching for a baby Then suddenly he dropped them, sneezing and coughing and sobbing for breath, and the President reached out to help him, asking him over and over what was wrong. It was the same with all of us, and we turned and staggered back to the ship, closing the lock behind us. It was bad, then—God, I'll never forget it! The five of us moaning in agony, gasping for breath, our eyes all swollen shut. And the itching—that itching! Gregory shuddered. Even the emotionally disciplined James set his teeth and felt his scalp crawl at the memory of that horror. He glanced toward the viewport as though to cleanse his mind of the memory. He could see Ross out there among the geraniums, moving slowly and painfully in his heavy spacesuit. Occupational therapy Ross watered flowers, and Gregory talked, and Frankston was bitter, and himself? Observation maybe Gregory's voice began again and then they were pounding on the lock begging us to let the doctor in but we were all rolling and thrashing with the itching burning sneezing and finally James got himself under control enough to open the lock and let them in then came the tests allergy tests remember those they would cut a little row of scratches in your arm each man instinctively glanced at his forearm saw neat rows of tiny pink scars row on row then they put a little powder in each cut and each kind of powder was an extract of some common substance we might be allergic to the charts they made were full of peas p for positive long columns of big red peas all pollen dust wool nylon cotton fish meat fruit vegetables grains milk Whiskey, cigarettes, dogs, cats, everything. And wasn't it funny about us being allergic to women's face powder? Ha! We were allergic to women from their nylon hose to their face powder. Thirty years of breathing purified, sterilized, filtered air, thirty years of drinking distilled water and swallowing synthetic food tablets had changed us. The only things we weren't allergic to were the metal and plastic synthetics of our ship this ship. We're allergic to Earth. That's funny, isn't it? Gregory began to rock back and forth, laughing in a high, thin laugh of hysteria. James silently walked to the water hydrant and filled a plastic cup. He brought Gregory a small white pill. You wouldn't take this with the rest of us at supper. You better take it now. You need it. Gregory nodded bleakly, sobering at once and swallowing the pellet. He made a face after the water distilled he spat distilled no flavor no life like us distilled if only we could have blasted off again frankston's voice came muffled through his hands it wouldn't have made any difference where anywhere or nowhere no our fine ship was obsolete and we're old much too old they have the space drive now men don't take thirty-year junkets into space and come back allergic to earth they go out and in a month or two they're back with their hair still black and their eyes still bright and their uniforms still fit a month or two is all those crowds that cheered us they were proud of us and sorry for us because we'd been out thirty years and they never expected us back at all but it was inconvenient for spaceport bitter sarcasm tinged his voice They actually had to postpone a regular monthly transgalactic run to let us in in this big, clumsy hulk. "'Why didn't we see any of the new ships either going out or coming back?' asked Gregory. Frankston shook his head. "'You don't see a ship when it's in space-drive. It's out of normal space-time dimensions. We had a smattering of theory at cadet school. Anyway, if one did flash into normal space-time, say for an instant— coming in for a landing. The probability of us being at the same place at the same time was almost nil. Two ships passing in the night, as the old saying goes. Gregory nodded. I guess Trippet was the lucky one. You didn't see Trippet die, replied James. What was it? asked Frankston. What killed Trippet? So quickly, too. He was only outside a few minutes like the rest of us and eight hours later he was dead we couldn't be sure answered james some virus there are countless varieties people live in contaminated atmosphere all their lives build up a resistance to them sometimes a particularly virulent strain will produce an epidemic but most people if they're affected will have a mild case of whatever it is and recover but after thirty years in space thirty years of breathing perfectly pure uncontaminated air Trippett had no antibodies in his bloodstream. The virus hit, and he died. "'But why didn't the rest of us get it?' asked Gregory. "'We were lucky. Viruses are like that.' "'These people talked about building a home for us,' muttered Frankston. "'Why didn't they?' "'It wouldn't have been any different,' answered James gently. "'It would have been the same—almost the exact duplicate of the ship—everything but the rockets.' Same metal, and plastic, and filtered air, and synthetic food. It couldn't have wool rugs, or down pillows, or smiling wives, or fresh air, or eggs for breakfast. It would have been just like this. So, since the ship was obsolete, they gave it to us, and a plot of ground to anchor it to, and we're home. They did the best they could for us, the very best they could. But I feel stifled shut in the ship is large frankston we all crowd into this section because without each other we'd go mad james kicked the edge of the magazine on the floor thank god we're not allergic to decontaminated paper they're still reading we're getting old said gregory some day one of us will be here alone god help him then answered james with more emotion than was usual for him During the latter part of the conversation, the little red signal had been flashing persistently. Finally James saw it. Ross was in the outer lock. James threw the decontaminator switch, and the signal winked out. Every trace of dust and pollen would have to be removed from Ross's suit before he could come inside the ship. "'Just like on an alien planet,' commented Gregory. "'Isn't that what it is to us?' An alien planet? asked Frankston, and neither of the other men dared answer his bitter question. A few minutes later, Ross was back in the cabin, and James helped him out of his spacesuit. How are the geraniums, Ross? asked Gregory. Fine, said Ross enthusiastically. They're doing just fine. He walked over to his bunk and laid down on his side so he could see out the viewport. There would be an hour left before darkness fell, an hour to watch the geraniums. They were tall and red, and swayed slightly in the evening breeze. End of homesick by Lynn Venable. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.